So my brother lives in Kenya. I'm the baby of the family. I have a middle brother and then an oldest sister. My brother lives out in Kenya, Africa, and uh, he runs some orphanages out there. And let me tell you something, a dream of mine since the day like that I can remember is to go on a safari. I'm a little bit of an animal geek. Like I love animals. I love any kind of animal. I love trying to like get the as close as possible I can with animals. And so as my brother moved to Africa, as I was able to go and visit him out in Kenya, I was able to go on my first safari. Now, it was amazing. It was like everything that you think of, the Maasai Mara. It was incredible. Lions, you know, elephants, giraffes, like the whole deal going on. And this, is, this was like the dream, right, is you get to the Mara River, and there's wildebeests throughout the whole, like, Maasai Mara. And so they're nearing the river. And you've all, I mean, you've seen the National Geographic movies. Like, you've been there. Like, these wildebeests cross the river, and these crocodiles, like, eat the wildebeests, right? Like, we've all been there. We've all wanted to see it, I'm sure. All of you have wanted to be there. So here I am, like, in this Jeep. It's live. And what I didn't realize is that typically when... The, the wildebeest cross, zebras actually go first. At least that was my experience. Now, I have to admit, I had a little more compassion for a zebra. I don't know what it was. I don't know why. I don't know if it was just like, oh, it's a cute little horse. I know it's not a horse, but that's kind of what I feel like. like. I don't know what it was. But anyway, so these zebras decide to go first. Now, I have to admit, though, I was still pretty excited to see what was going to happen. And sure enough, as they crossed the river, these crocodiles would like line up and it would become a little bit of a feeding frenzy. Now, now let, me, let me say this. The zebras won most of the time. The zebras actually kicked the crocodiles. like They won most of the time. But there were definitely a couple of tragedies as I was watching this happen before my eyes. And this is what I observed, though. This is what I observed just being you know, a participant uh, or an onlooker onto this whole tragedy of zebras getting eaten by crocodiles. This is what I realized, is that the, croc, the, the zebra that was the weakest, the zebra that was the most inexperienced, or you could say young, the, or, and the zebra that went alone were the ones the crocodiles would end up getting. The zebras that were strong, the zebras that went together across the river, like they were not the ones that were taken, but it was the weak and the vulnerable. It was the ones that decided to go at this thing alone, and it taught me something about life. It taught me about how that when we're weak and vulnerable, there, there's attacks can come our way. When we, when we isolate ourselves, when we get alone in this life, we can begin to struggle. We can begin you like, like to really become weak and vulnerable, which then we can get devoured. And people, this is why we're doing the sermon series, Compass. Like, this is why we're in this. Because there are people, there are times that we're weak. There are people in the city. There are people in our neighborhoods and the communities that are weak and they're vulnerable in the midst of all the things that we're going through. And what we need to do is stay together as a church, to stay together as a community, stay together as families, and, and stay together in relationships. Because when we are together, we have a strong, like we're just stronger. 
And this whole sermon series is called Together, Living a Life All Out for God. And let me just say, when we live it together, we're going to be able to get to the end. We're going to be able to live this life all out for God. And we've just been asking ourselves, what would it look like if we had this mob mentality of a life lived for God? No, I understand when we think of a mob, when we think of a mob mentality, usually we think of negative pictures. Let's redeem the word. Let's redeem the word and think of a mob mentality of a chaos of love, a chaos of serving one another. What if a church would gather together? What if the churches would gather together and, and, would, and would live a life all out for God? What if we encouraged our friends, encouraged our family members to live a life all out for God? I truly think we'd see this world change. I think we'd see our neighborhoods change. I think we'd see our families be changed. But let's also be honest with each other. There's times in our relationship with God that we get stuck. There's times in our relationship with God that, yes, we want to like live all out for God. Like, like we want to be able to do this, but we get stuck. We, we get stuck in a relationship, possibly, that we're in. And we know it's a negative relationship. It's a negative friendship that we need to get out of. We get stuck like in our jobs or in our situations uh, that we're in. We, we, get, we can get stuck kind of in our position and in our, in, in our life. But as well, we can, get, we can get stuck in our relationship with God. And, and, here's, and here's the reality, right? When we get stuck, as we pursue God, we get stuck. And that's why it's so important that as we open up the text today, as we look at Exodus chapter 17, feel free to turn there in your Bible, take it off the bookshelf, take it off your counter, turn to Exodus chapter 17, and, and we're going to see this incredible dynamic. We're going to see that, that the nation of Israel enters into this war, and, and not only does God like deliver the nation of Israel, but we're going to see the dynamic that Moses needed others. Moses needed help to be able to continue to do the journey, to continue to pray, to continue to seek the Lord in the midst of this. And we're going to see this incredible story of how God and how people and how we all come together to do something that we could not do alone. So turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 17. I actually got a little map for you. And uh, maps are always kind of fun. They're always kind of good to learn from. And uh, so I have this map that you can see uh, behind me. And this map is honestly just to kind of help us navigate a little bit of the story, to get a little bit of a picture from, from where we're at. If, if you think of the, the far left-hand side, it begins in Egypt. By Exodus chapter 14, they hit the Red Sea. So hopefully you can see that map and hopefully you can understand it. And, and when we know in Exodus chapter 14 what happens, right? Moses puts his staff right in the Red Sea. The waters split. Nation of Israel goes through the Red Sea while the Egyptian chariots are on their tail, right? So they, they, get, uh, they get across the Red Sea. By Exodus chapter 15, people are celebrating. People are praising God. People are singing and all those kind of things. But then by Exodus, uh, by the end of Exodus 15, they've had three days without water. So they're not doing well. Right? I mean, can you imagine going three days without water? Then they finally find water, and it's bitter. But Moses takes a, a, a stick, throws it in the water. It becomes good water. So once again, you can see the journey, right? Good things, bad things, bad things, good things. By Exodus chapter 16, they're now grumbling because they have no food. By Exodus 16, 4, they now have manna and quail. By Exodus 
17, Moses comes down to this fact of like, he's just like, you know what? The people of Israel are going to kill me, right? And so Exodus chapter 17 is not a good moment uh, for, for Moses. And by Exodus 17, once again, we're just getting some context of our passage, which is going to be Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Exodus chapter 17, verse 7, just by at the end of it, says, is the Lord among us or not? So that's where the nation of Israel is at as we, enter, as we open up the scriptures. They're, they're at this place like, is God even close? Is God near us? Does he care? Does he hear from us? Right? And we've all been there. We've been in these places. We've been in these places where we're like, man, like, is, does the Lord care for us? Does the Lord care for our situations? And we're just kind of stuck. And, and then they're just asking. So imagine this. So the nation of Israel is in this place like, is the Lord among us? Chapter 17, verse 8 all of a sudden, they're in a war, right? I mean, there just seems to be like this constant conflict going on in the nation of Israel. What's going to happen? How is the nation of Israel going to come through? Is God going to come through from them, for them again? Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Let's look at our text together. It says this. So then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So you can, you can see this. Now, you can do your own little Bible study on the Amalekites. It's kind of a cool little history. But in Genesis chapter 36, verse 12, we actually see that the Amalekites come from Esau. It's Esau's like grandson is named Amalek. And it's out of him becomes this nation of Amalekites. And most likely, they're nomads. So as they enter into war with Israel, we don't really understand why, is a, why, why are the Amalekites entering into this war? Like Why is this battle happening? And once again, let's go back to our map just so you can kind of begin to understand and grasp hold of where Rephidim is. So you can see the journey. And here's the red circle with the arrow. That's where they're at as they fight this battle, and the Amalekites uh, attack them. And, and once again, we don't really know why. Was it fear? Was it because the nation of Israel was kind of going through their lands, even though they didn't really have lands? Like, like what was really going on? But what we do know even more about the Amalekites, you'll see in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17 to 18. Once again, it's just so good to study the Bible. It's so good to get to the history, so good to know the story, so good to know like how these different nations come apart. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 17, it says this about the Amalekites. Remember what Amalek did to you on the ways you came up out of Egypt. So it's referring exactly to Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. How he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail those who were lagging behind you. And he did not fear God. Therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies around you in the land that the Lord God is giving you for an inheritance to possess, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget. So you, you can just imagine this, this picture as the nation of Israel is tired as they're weary. The Amalekites are attacking. And they're attacking the weak and the vulnerable. Right? It, it's similar to what I experienced on the safari. It's similar in the experiences that we have in this life. And what we see in Exodus chapter 17, 8, and 9 is that 
Moses, right, is that Moses brings the staff of God with him that represents, right, God, that represents the power of God. So in the midst of the battles, when we are stuck, the Lord will fight for you. When you're stuck, when you're alone, when you're weak, when you're weary, the Lord God will fight for you. You see that in Exodus chapter 17, verse 9, as he, he has the staff of God in his hands. You, 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 we can read uh, together Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Once again, just a powerful verse of God's strong hand in the, in the midst of uh, weakness. Exodus chapter 3, verse 17. 17 says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. You can just, this incredible picture, right, of who God is. The Lord God will fight for us. If you're weak, if you're weary, if you're struggling, if you're stuck, remember this. The Lord will fight for you. Let's keep going. Let's keep going in the story. Let's keep going and hear what happens because the best is yet to come, right? Verse 10, we continue on. So, so Joshua did as Moses told him and, he, and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. I mean, I mean can you just... Can you just imagine this? Can you imagine what this, this, this looked like, right? In the midst of the battles, right? In the midst of the journey, that, in the midst of this war that Israel is having with, with, with the Amalekites, as, as Moses raises up his arms, they're winning. As Moses lowers, they're losing. Now, imagine the moment when they figured it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, like put yourself, like, imagine the moment when all of a sudden Moses was like, Man, when my arms are raised, we're winning. When my arms are lowered, we're not. And you can imagine like the intensity of that moment. Like watching, right, watching your like Joshua, watching the nation of Israel getting beat as, as you lower your arms because you're exhausted. And you can just kind of imagine this moment of what's going on. And, and think about the way that we think about most of our life. We typically think of the, the wars or the battles, the, the challenges that we face in this way. We typically think of, it's like, like Joshua, like Joshua's the most important. I mean, Joshua's who's fighting the battle. Joshua's like, it's, it's the soldiers that are fighting the battle, right? I mean, that's kind of where our minds go. It's, it's the decisions that we make. It's what we do. It's, it's, do we make the right decision or the wrong decision? So much, we, we put pressure on ourselves, right? When, when it comes to these kind of situations in life, and do you realize, like, where actually was the battle being won? I mean, where was the battle actually being won? The battle was not being won in the battle. The battle was being won on the mountain as Moses prayed. Think about that. Think about how powerful that is. Our battles are not won in it. Our battles are won by God on the mountain. The victory is in the power of prayer. 
And when we're stuck and we're feeling alone, never underestimate the power of prayer. Never underestimate it. My tendency is for me to like work out of it. My tendency is to make something happen. My tendency, right, is, is to like look at what I can do. And, and God's going, well, will you just get on your knees and trust me? Will you seek my face? Will you let me fight for you? Never underestimate the power of prayer. I mean, think about Jesus. It's a powerful story in Mark chapter 9, where Jesus is, is off. He's away from the disciples. And the disciples encounter this father and the son, and the son uh, is convulsing. He would throw himself to the ground. He would be foaming at the mouth. And this dad, I mean, can you imagine? Like this dad had no idea what to do for his son. And the dad is hearing about Jesus, and the dad is hearing about the disciples, and the dad is hearing about, I, I wonder if Jesus could heal my son. You know, I wonder if my Jesus can heal my son like he's been doing this. And, and, and so the disciples are, are trying to heal the son, but they can't heal him. And, and so there's like conflict going on, and there's, there's a ruckus, you could say, in, in the city as this all is happening. And then Jesus comes out of the scene. Think of it. You can see this in Mark chapter 9. And Jesus comes out of the scene. And Jesus is like, what's going on? Like, wh wh why, are we, wh wh why are we fighting? And so this dad, you can just imagine this dad just pouring out his heart. He's going, man, your disciples, they couldn't heal my son. My son, he's been, he, since he's been young, he's been throwing himself on the ground. He's been foaming at the mouth. He's been convulsing. He's, and in fact, there's been times that he's, he, he's thrown himself into a fire. I, I mean, like he's thrown himself into the water to drown. Like, like Jesus, will you, will you please help? And there's this incredible interaction between Jesus and this dad. And, and Jesus heals his son. So Jesus, in this moment, heals his son. And the disciples get back with Jesus. And the disciples ask Jesus, why couldn't we heal this guy? Why, why couldn't we heal this boy? Like, what in the world happened? And Jesus says to him, Mark 9, Mark 9, 29, this one, this spirit could only come out by prayer. I mean, you realize there's some things, right? There's some things that can only happen through the power of prayer. Never underestimate the power of prayer. I mean, think about those moments in time where the power of prayer changed the dynamic. Now, I know some of you... You may be thinking, like, man, that was way back then. That was like Old Testament. And then, yeah, Jesus, well, Jesus can do anything. Like, that's New Testament. I mean, let me just testify to you a little bit. When I was in college, I played basketball, played basketball at Wheaton College. We were on a mission trip to Argentina. And uh, I was, at, at that time, I used to be able to shoot a basketball, and I did pretty well at, at shooting a basketball. And, and the game that we were playing, I was actually shooting really, really well. The problem is I also had asthma. And especially sports-induced asthma. So there were moments, there were times that my asthma, I couldn't necessarily play or I just struggled playing because of my asthma. And so during the first half, I, I had hit a bunch of shots. Those were the good old days. And I hit a bunch of shots. And, and the coach had to take me out because I couldn't really breathe. And so uh, the missionary, as well as like some of the, the people that were from Argentina, they came over to the coach and was like, why isn't this guy playing? Why isn't he playing anymore? And the coach said, well, he can't breathe, so he can't play. And uh, so during halftime, a true story, during halftime, they pulled me over, uh, and, they, and they said, can we pray for you? 
And I was kind of like, uh, okay, like, what do you say? You're on a mission trip, right? You're supposed to say yes. Uh, so I was like, all right, yeah, you know, you can definitely pray for me. I'd love for you to pray for me. And uh, they laid their hands on me, and they prayed for me. And honest, honestly, I have never experienced an asthmatic situation attack. The second half, I was able to play with no issues. I didn't, I have not, I mean, I, it's, this is a long time later, and I have yet to experience any form of asthma attack since then. I'm just saying, there's moments, there's times that God does the miraculous, that God uses the power of prayer to change the dynamics. Never underestimate the power of prayer. When you're stuck, when you're feeling alone, when you're weary, the Lord will fight for you. Never underestimate the power of prayer. And this is my favorite part in this this whole text because of the power of doing the stuff together. Look at verse 12. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. I mean, can you imagine this moment? Like Moses is struggling as he's raising up his hands, and Aaron and her are seeing the struggle. Now, could God in that moment have given Moses strength? Could God have, could have interceded in that moment to give Moses like super strength? Absolutely could have. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. So Moses is struggling. And when his hands are raised, they're winning. Hands lowers, they're losing. So all of a sudden they realize this thing. They give Moses a stone. He's sitting down. And you can imagine him like shaking with this. And he's like, I can't do it. So then Aaron and her take each arm and they hold them up. And they do this all the way through sun. All the way through sundown. And in the midst of this, overwhelmed Amalek and his people with a sword. And they win the battle. This is like talking about together, living a life all out for God. Talking about a moment where God is interceding, right? God is interceding. And and yet, as Moses is trying to raise up his hands and keep his hands, people, right, are coming and helping and, and keeping his arms held high. I mean, talking about together and how God and our relationship with God matters and how our relationship with other people matter. And my challenge, my encouragement to you is, like, like who are those people in your life that are holding up your arms? Who, who are those people in your life that, that come alongside of you and hold them up? Who are the women that come alongside of you and hold up your arms as we, as we have this battle as we're weak and we're weary and we're, we're struggling and we don't know what's next? Who's holding up? Our arms, it's an incredible picture of what it looks like for us to come together. And church, this is what the world needs to see. The, the, the world needs to see hope in this time. The, the world need, needs to see that, that there's, there's people that love each other and care for each other. The, the people need to see that there's, there's hope in a God who can transform the situations that we're in and, 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 and give us peace in the midst of COVID-19 and, and, and give us strength in the midst of it, give us joy in the midst of it. But we need each other to do it. We can't do it alone. When you're stuck, 
The Lord will fight for you. Never underestimate the power of prayer. And you're not strong enough to get out alone. You're not strong enough. Say it to your family. Say it to your friend. You're not strong enough. You can't do it alone. You need people. You need people to come alongside and, open, and, hold, up, and hold up your arms. And come up, like I just want you to know, like, as I come here, man, what an honor it is to be your lead pastor. As I come here, like, I have people back, I have people back home that will lift up my arms. I have people back in Chicago who are praying for me, praying for you, praying for us. Who's holding up your arms? Who's praying? Exodus chapter 17, let's continue on, verse 14 to 16, and we'll be done. So then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua. Do you see this? God is saying to Moses, don't forget this moment. Don't forget this. Write this down. Tell Joshua, do you see this? Recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name I called the name of it, the Lord is my banner, saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. God wants them to remember the battle. He wants them to remember how God uh, overpowered, how God moved in the midst of this. And so Moses builds this altar and has this banner and this banner means a tower of strength. The, the banner means it's God's leadership and protection over his people, over your life. And Joshua needs to remember. And people, we need to know. We need to remember. We need to hold on. That the banner of God is over us. That he will protect us. That he leads us. That he guides us. And when you're stuck, the Lord will fight for you. And we never underestimate the power of prayer and you're not strong enough to do it alone. And what Moses did right here is put a stake in the ground. Put a stake in the ground this morning. Put a stake in the ground tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, whenever you're watching this, maybe, maybe this is the first time you've actually entered in. Put a stake in the ground. Commit. Trust. Make today the day that you put your faith in Jesus. Make today the day that you're going to ask a bunch of people to pray for you. Make today the day that you're going to commit you know, to living a life all out for Jesus. Make today the day that you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to be part of Compass Church. Like, I'm going to be part of this church that wants to do this, this stuff together, wants to try to do this thing. We need to drive a stake in the ground because there will be moments that we're, that we're going to be unsure. There's going to be moments that we're going to get stuck, and we need to have a stake in the ground to remember these moments. I had read or studied that that phrase, drive a stake in the ground, comes from a Native American tradition. And it was in the midst of a battle, in the midst of a war, that, that when, when, they're, when they were losing, when they were weak, right, when they were weary, they, they, they would take a stake, they would tie their leg to it, they would drive it in the ground to make sure that they stood their ground. Isn't that a powerful picture? To make sure that they would not run, that they would stick, they would, they would stay and defend their ground. 
And we need to drive a stake in the ground. We, we, we need to drive a, a memorial in the ground to, to stay strong, to stand firm on the gospel and the great news of Jesus Christ, to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us, to remember. Because our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in the cross. Our hope is in the resurrection. And this morning, if you're struggling, this morning, if you're alone, this morning, if you're weary and you're weak, we need to do this life together. We need to ask God. We need to ask God to come. We need to ask God to, to give us the strength. We need to seek his face. And we need, to, we need to bring others in. We need to bring others in to live this life all out for Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you once again just for today. We thank you so much for what you're doing. But Lord, I pray right now because some of us are stuck. We're, we're frustrated. Uh, for some of us, we're stuck in a relationship that we know we shouldn't be a part of. We're, we're stuck in our relationship with you. Like we just feel like we're on neutral for the last couple of years. Lord Jesus, today, no matter where we are, maybe it's Sunday morning, maybe it's Sunday evening, maybe it's Wednesday, whatever it is, but today we put a stake in the ground to say we know that you love us. We know that you love us because of the cross. We know it because you rose from the grave. We know it. And we're going to trust you. And we're going to do this thing together. We're going to do it together. Lord, thanks for loving us so much. In Jesus' name we pray.